our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Uh, well, good morning. Good morning, church. What a great time to be together today. It's so excited about what God's doing in and through his church. We've been in this amazing series called Prayer More Than Words. And we've been talking about prayer. And man, what a powerful series this has been as we are growing in our prayer life and learning to become all that God wants us to be as his disciples today. Now, prayer is simply inviting the God of the universe into our lives, into the situation, right? We live in the physical realm. We can see things, we can touch things, and, and yet we know there's a spiritual realm that's much bigger, and that God is sovereign over the spiritual, that God is sovereign over the physical, but when we begin to pray, we see the, the heavens pulled back, and we see God coming down, and God intervening, and lives being impacted, and lives being changed as we see prayer unfold in our world and in our lives, and prayer changes things. We know that, right? But prayer also changes us. It molds us and shapes us into the image of God's Son as we grow in our prayer life. So in our series, we've talked about the purpose of prayer, right? And the purpose of prayer is to connect with God, right? It's not about religion, you know? Every religion has some form of prayer, but, but through Christ, we can have a relationship with God, that we can call God Father, Abba, Daddy. And so that's prayer communicating with the Lord God Almighty. We also see the passion of prayer. And the passion of prayer is that we begin to pray with our heart. And many of us, we grew up praying ritual prayers, which, which were great. They set a foundation. But when we begin to connect with God and we're authentic and we're real and we're genuine and we don't try to hide or put on airs, we just are real and say, God, this is what's going on. And, and Father, I bring my heart to you. The third week in this series, we talked about the pattern of prayer, the pattern of prayer. And we said, you know, you start with God first. And so often we start with us first. God, help, right? I'm praying, having need, help. Or God, here's my list of things. Instead of starting with God. And when you see the Lord's Prayer, you, you see that Jesus taught us to start with God first. And we talked about adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. It changes the way we pray. It changes the way we live. And then we talked about the practice of prayer. That prayer is not something we just talk about and go, yeah, 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 we pray, you know. But we really do it. We put it into practice. And when Jesus was teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, he taught about prayer there in Matthew 6. And then he says, you know, if anyone hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, he'll be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the winds came down and blew against the house, but, but the house on the rock stood. It stood. And for us, that we become people of prayer who have a foundation in the Lord, that whatever happens in life, that we're solid in our walk with the Lord, that that comes through prayer. And then we talked about the power of prayer. Where there is prayer, there is hope. Where there is prayer, there is hope. And so whatever you walked in with today, and maybe you came in, and maybe, maybe your marriage is hard or challenging, or maybe there's a wayward child in your life, or maybe, man, things are tough at school or with a roommate. Or, but I want to tell you, where there is prayer, there is hope. And God is here in the power of prayer to change things, the power of prayer for God of the universe to enter in, to transform lives. 
And today we're going to see this, the potential of prayer. The potential of prayer. I mean, prayer is like the spiritual dynamite, right? It's this potential, this gift that God gives us to pray and to see lives transformed for the glory of God. So if you have a Bible, I invite you to open back with me to the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. Now, Luke, New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four Gospels, and all talking about Jesus and his ministry, his teaching, his miracles. And so, man, if you're just kind of starting out on this Christian journey, you need a place to kind of dive in. Start Matthew, start reading through the Gospels and seeing about Jesus. But we're going to be here in Luke chapter 11, where we've been for the last, you know, five weeks and talking about prayer. And what you see in Luke chapter 11, if you don't have a Bible, we'll put the words on the screen or you can pick up a Bible in the back. But it says, one day Jesus was praying. And Jesus modeled that for us. And, and, and always remember that, that Jesus made this a priority in his life on this earth, that Jesus was praying in a certain place. He found a place, that was his place, that Jesus came to meet with the Father, even though Jesus fully divine, the humanity of Christ, but also the divinity of Christ, but, but he met with God. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. God, we want to learn to pray. And I think that is such a big thing for every one of us who calls ourselves a disciple, a follower of Christ. God, teach me to pray. God, grow me in my prayer life. God, help me grow deeper in my walk with you. And that comes through prayer. And so this disciple's like, I want that. Jesus, I've seen you do miracles. I've seen all these things happen. I see prayer as the key. I want to know more about prayer, just as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray. Not if you pray, right? Because everybody's going to pray. Every, everybody who lives at some point will call out because we realize there's something bigger or someone bigger than us. And, and when you pray, say, Father. And I love this. And we've walked line by line through the Lord's Prayer and just said, Father, Father. And the incredible privilege to call God Father. What separates Christianity from every other world religion? You know, so many other world religions, God is unknowable. God's unpleasable, they're supreme being, but, but in Christianity, God is Father. And Jesus says you could call him that. You have that kind of relationship where he cares about you, he provides for you, he protects you. Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. And you notice how it turns plural there, right? Not just me and, and my bread, but, but the needs of those around me. God, meet the needs of others and forgive my sins, but also the sins of those around me, and lead us not into temptation. And so this morning, I'd love for us to pray the Lord's Prayer together, and, and, and I'd love for us to pray aloud together as we pray this prayer. Now, you can keep your eyes open. I know sometimes when we pray the Lord's Prayer, people are like, is it trespasses? Is it debts? Is it sins? You're like, I don't want to mess that up, right? And so it's okay. We're going to put the words up on the screen. If you want to you know, you can pray with your eyes open. I, I know, you know sometimes we think we always have to pray, our heads bowed, our eyes closed. That's not in the Bible, actually. But that's just to keep us from being distracted because I know if my eyes were open a lot, I'd be like, whoa, what about that? You know, so, so that's a good thing to do that, and especially with our kids to do that. But you can pray with your eyes open and look around, and it's okay. God hears that prayer, too. So let's pray the Lord's Prayer together. Are you ready? One, two, three. Our Father, who art in heaven... Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, 
as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Oh, isn't that beautiful? It's just so beautiful. And Jesus goes, when you pray, pray like this. He's not saying, hey, you have to pray this prayer every single time. But what he's saying is, I want you to know to call God Father. I want you to put God first. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. And then you come before him with your needs and with the things going on in your life. And Jesus was pouring into these disciples to teach them to pray. Because he knew it was the spiritual key, right? Unlocking heaven and bringing God's work down into this world. And he knew, I'm going to pretty soon die on the cross for your sins. I will ascend into heaven after I conquer death and the Holy Spirit will come and you, there will be a revolution because of prayer. I want you to get this as my disciple, understand this. This is your spiritual life. It comes down to prayer. Now we've walked line by line, we've talked line by line through it, but I want you to notice when we prayed that, we got to the end and we said, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen, right? But if you look in Luke chapter 11, it kind of ends here with, and lead us not into temptation. And you're like, where's the rest of it? You know, because it kind of goes on into a whole other thing there in verse 5. And if you go to Matthew, right, it's recorded twice in Jesus' earthly ministry in the Sermon on the Mount. He taught the Lord's Prayer. But when he taught it the first time, he says in verse 13 of Matthew chapter 6, he says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, and you're kind of going, well, where's that last part? Right, it's not Matthew 6 or Luke 11. Where's that last part? And where it is, right, if you have a King James Version, shows up. Right? If you have a King James Version, it's there. And here's what it is. It's called the doxology. And this doxology is not always included in every translation, but it's a part of the Lord's Prayer in some of the earlier manuscripts. It's also part of the Lord's Prayer in church tradition and the early church fathers that we have that Jesus added on this last part. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And when he said this, here's what he was talking about. The kingdom. The kingdom is the goodness and grace of God. The kingdom, when he taught us to pray, for thine is the kingdom. That God, your kingdom comes down. You remember he taught earlier in the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And now he comes to this last part, this doxology, for, for your kingdom come. For your kingdom, thine kingdom, that it be here. Have you ever thought, why doesn't God just take me home? Right? I mean, when, when I accepted Christ, when I become a Christ follower, when I give my heart and my life to Christ, as God draws me to himself, why does he leave me here on this earth? I mean, there's pain and there's struggles and, and heaven's going to be so incredible. It's going to be awesome. Why doesn't he just take me home? Well, you know why? Because God's conforming us to the image of his son. God's at work in our lives. And God's also saying, I want you to be kingdom bearers. I want you to be salt and light. I want you to represent me, be my ambassador here in this world. Now, if you were to take all the Christians out of this world, you're thinking, well, what would happen, right? I mean, it would be total decay, right? You see that. You see how the world is. And so we are here to represent the kingdom. This world is not our home. We are citizens of of another kingdom. So he says, hey, pray, thine kingdom, the goodness and grace of God, thine is the power, the power, 
See, it is truly sovereign God who holds everything together. The power. And when you and I begin to realize the power of God, we live our lives like we control everything. We don't really control anything, do we? I mean, we really can't. We can't control our health. We can't. We can't control other people around us as much as we want to. We can't control everything going on around us in the world. The power comes in God. That is the kingdom and the power and then the glory, the glory. Prayer is transferring the honor, the glory to the one who deserves it. I mean, that's what prayer is, right? Whenever we get a big like bonus or we get a big thing that happens at work or a big deal comes through or something great happens in our family, and many times I did that. No, we really didn't. And we stop in prayer. We go, God, you receive the glory. God, thank you. Yeah, that's why you see athletes many times, they're like, you know, hey, I'm going to point up, you know, and, and, or they point to their back, say, check out my name, right? Or I'm going to point up and say, hey, wait, I'm going to transfer the glory. I want to give God the glory. The other day, I, I just happened to see uh, Ray Lewis went into the Hall of Fame. Now, for you who don't know who Ray Lewis is, he was a linebacker with the Baltimore Ravens, but, but he told his story in his Hall of Fame speech about growing up in a, with his mom because he didn't have a dad. His mom taught him to pray the Lord's Prayer at a young age. And he said, I held on to that prayer, man. I prayed that prayer all the time. And when I was 14, I prayed that prayer. And he said, you know what? He said, my life wasn't always easy. I went through some struggles, you know. And I got to Miami and University of Miami, and it was, it was tough. And he said, and then 1999 and 2000, if you know Ray Lewis' story, man, he went through some bad things. And he said, I, I mean, I'm, I did some bad things in my life, and it was wrong. But he said it was prayer, what my mom taught me at a young age about prayer that changed me. And when I came through those tough times, I knew it was God who brought me through. And I said, for the rest of my career, I want to give glory to God. And he said, that's why every time I'd run out of the tunnel, you know, I would step to the right for God the Father. I'd step to the left for God the Son. I would just say, all glory to you, God. And people thought it was a dance and all this stuff. But, but I wanted glory to go to God. And he said, this is his Hall of Fame speech. He goes, I just want my life to be about God. I realize that it's got to be about him. In our lives, I'm just thinking, man, do we transfer the glory? Do we just move the glory? It wasn't me. It was you, God, the glory forever. <laughs> That's eternal, never-ending. God is and will always be. And in our physical world, we invest so much in things that won't last. And we spend all of our time investing in these things, and they're here today, gone tomorrow. It's the latest fad, what's in, what's out. But we pray for forever. We pray for the kingdom that will last. We pray that we invest in the things that will matter it will make a difference and then he says amen you know what amen means it just means i agree whenever we pray amen and we pray amen you know we're saying i agree i agree with that prayer that prayer that you just prayed amen let's pray amen i agree god your kingdom come for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever and what you see in this doxology is this the potential of prayer the potential of prayer. Every great awakening has started with prayer. Every great awakening has started with prayer. And you see that. Revivals happen. Lives are changed. Because when people pray, God comes in. And you look back through history, the 1600s, 1700s, and the great awakenings that happened, and you see when people started to pray, when God's people pray, there is power and potential to change the world. When God's people pray, God's speaking to Solomon in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, 
And he's dedicating the temple to God. And, and, and we're going to study the temple in our next series. And, and you're going to see this unfold. But, but here's what God says to Solomon in 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14. He says, if my people, if, notice that, that's potential, right? If, you can jump in and get on my agenda, follow me. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. <laughs> here's what's going to happen. And seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sin and heal their land. That's potential. That's potential to change. To change us. Change our families. To change our generations. Our family story. Our family tree. To change our community. To change our country. To change the world. The power of prayer. And the potential of prayer, James chapter 5, New Testament, James chapter 5, verse 16. James writes, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. The prayer of a righteous person, and you're going, well, I'm not righteous, right? None of us are. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short. But by the grace of God, when God comes into our hearts and our lives through Christ, when he redeems us and restores, you know what? God looks at you. He doesn't see all your mistakes. He doesn't see all your failures. He sees you as righteous. That Jesus took your place. He took my place. And the righteousness of Christ, imputed righteousness is the theological word, right? He imputes his righteousness in us. And the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And that you and I learn to pray. And that you and I want to pray. And that's not just a check off the box, but it's us growing in prayer He says in verse 17, Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. And he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crop again after he prayed. And you're thinking, he was a guy like us. Man, the potential of prayer. And you and I, man, it's our lives. Satan comes along and he just kind of goes, yeah, you don't have time to pray. Yeah, there's so many things going on in your life. There's so many things that are happening. But you and I have to realize this is our spiritual foundation. This is how we grow. This is how we mature. If you want to be deeper in Christ, this is, is what it's about. It's growing in our prayer life. So, 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 what limits our prayers? What limits our prayers? I mean, if we Know this. What are the things that limits our prayers? Well, I think there's a few things. One is this, discounting prayer. Discounting prayer. We kind of go, okay, you know, there's a lot of things going on in my life right now, and I got to fix my spouse. I got to fix my children because they're not doing right right now. I got to fix my roommate. I got to fix my boss because they're not on the same page with me. I got to fix my job. And then when it doesn't work out, then we pray, right? We're like, God, help, okay? I've tried all that I could do. But what if we flipped that around and said, hey, I want to pray first. I want to pray, you know, even, even before I walk into this job. I want to pray even before I walk into this school. I want to pray even before, you know, I have this, this talk with my kids. I want to pray even before my wife and I sit down and have this conversation. I want to, I want to pray. Sometimes we discount prayer. We put it on the back burner. It's kind of the last resort, and it limits our prayers. And the second thing is discord with others. Discord with others. Jesus was saying in Matthew chapter 5, right, in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, you know, if you you come to worship and you're bringing a gift to the altar for God and there you realize that somebody has something against you, he's like, leave your gift and go reconcile with them first and then come back and offer it. You're like, wow. 
But what he was saying was, man, if there's discord, if, if there's, if there's a, a hardship in that relationship, it's going to impact you. And it does, right? We, we, it concentrates in our mind. And so he's saying, hey, if you need to go to that person and ask for forgiveness, or if you need to go and say, hey, I need you, you know, I need to forgive you, or you need to forgive me, but, but somehow that you and I get those relationships right, that you and I take the initiative and we go in, because it impacts our relationship with God when we're praying and we're in discord with other people. Now, I love Romans chapter 12, verse 18. It says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. I think God's going, you know, I know that sometimes there's going to be people who are just going to have something out against you and you, you can't change that. But if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, you take that initiative. So that limits some of times our prayers. Third is this, disobedience with God. And disobedience with God will limit our prayers. And, and here's what's happened. It's twofold. One, sometimes we'll start to pray and we'll go, okay, God, you're right. I, I need to pray. I need to spend time with you. And then Satan comes along and goes, seriously? You know what you did, you know, back in high school or back in college? You remember what you, and you're like, you're right. You know, God's mad at me still. Yeah, I'm not going to pray. I mean, what's the point? No, 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 no. At that point, you say, get behind me, Satan. Just get behind me, Satan, because I am redeemed. I am restored. I am a new creation in Christ. And I can come boldly before the throne of God. Because of God's grace, I can come boldly. But there's also the second part of that, which is sometimes if we're living in disobedience. And if there's things going on in our lives that we know God has spoken to us about, and we're like, yeah, not going to happen. You know? And God's going, oh, come on. And God's saying, I've been speaking to you about being baptized, right? I've been speaking to you about taking that next step in your faith. And, and every time you start to pray, God's bringing that to mind. You're like, no. And God's going, really? Or maybe it's a sin. Maybe there's something in your life, and, and man, there's an affair that's happening, or there's pornography or something, and, and you start to pray, and God's going, hey, I'm convicting you about this. And not that we're ever, ever going to be perfect. I mean, none of us are. None of us are. But that's why I think David in the Old Testament said, Hey, when I pray, I pray, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any impure way in me. And God, lead me in your way everlasting. And David wasn't perfect. Oh, man, I mean, he made some big, big mistakes, huge sin. But he, he was forgiven for those. And at the end of his life, he was known as a man after God's heart because he, he never left God. He always stayed true to him, even in the disobedience. But that limits our prayers many times until we get that right with the Lord to take that next step in our faith. Distractions around us. Distractions around us can limit our prayers. You know, and ever, you're thinking, man, I'm so busy, I don't have time to pray, right? And sometimes the, the other part of that's true. I'm so busy, I have, have time not to pray because I'm not gonna make it if I don't take some time to pray. Several years ago, uh, we were going to see my parents that were living in San Antonio at the time, and and we had three kids, but we had a baby. Kate was our youngest. She was just a baby. And, and then Mabry. And whenever you travel with kids, it's crazy, isn't it? I mean, it's like we were flying on Southwest. 
And so, like, you know, Lisa and I are getting our suitcases packed, and then you got a stroller, and you got car seats, and you have formula, and you got passies, and you got iPads and games to entertain them on the plane because you don't want to be those parents, right? That their kids going crazy. You're like, I'm so sorry, you know? And I mean, you're like thinking of everything. And, and we got all of our stuff, and we loaded in the van, and we're driving to the airport, and we get to the airport, we're unloading it, we got to get a smart cart, you know, which is five bucks, right? And you get a smart cart, and you like putting all of our stuff on there, and we're loading it up to go in to check in at Southwest, and I've got everything else, and there I'm counting everybody and make sure we got our whole families there, and then I realize I don't have my suitcase. <laughs> my suitcase is back at home. I mean, it's all packed, right? It's, but it's back at home, and I'm like, great, we're going for a week, you know, <laughs> I got nothing. And I think that happens in our lives sometimes, right? We're just so busy dealing with everybody else, and we don't take the time for us. But the fact is, if we're not healthy, <laughs> then really nobody around us is going to be healthy. And if we're not taking time to grow in the Lord, and we're not taking time with the Father, man, it's going to impact every relationship around us. And that's why Satan wants to get us distracted. That's why Satan wants us to kind of go, oh, yeah, you've got to do this. And instead of going, no, 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 I need some time with the Lord. I need it for me. I need it for me. Here's the fifth one I think that limits our prayers. It's disregarding your potential. Disregarding your potential. See, sometimes we're scared to pray bold prayers because we're like, God, I don't know if it's going to happen, and so I'm just going to kind of save you, you know, from, like, people going, oh, see, that didn't happen, so I'm not really going to pray bold prayers. And God's going, really? Come on. And for you and I to start to say, no, 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 man, I want to pray. I want to be a person of prayer. I want to grow in my prayer. I have the potential to mature in this area of my life. Have you ever noticed how the spiritual life Get this. Have you ever noticed how the spiritual life starts with prayer? It starts with prayer, right? As God's drawing people to himself, and there came a point in your life and in your story, and maybe when you were a child or maybe when you were a young adult, maybe you were at church, but at some point you realized your, your need for God, you realized your sin, and you called out to God. I mean, it was God who was inviting you into this relationship with him. But there comes a point where the Bible says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, right? There comes a point where you and I pray, God, help, I need you. Jesus, come into my heart and my life. Forgive me, redeem me, restore me. And it's all God's work. I mean, he is sovereign over it all. But there is a part that we pray. It starts with prayer. But I'm gonna tell you, it, prayer is throughout your whole relationship with the Lord. Even to your last breath, there's people that I've gathered around bedsides and hospitals and held hands with families as people have taken their last breath, and we pray together. And so for you and I, man, this is the journey of a lifetime, learning to pray. That's why the disciples so desperately, Jesus, teach us to pray. It is your life. I accepted Christ when I was eight years old, eight years old, and so I've been walking with Jesus for a long time, and prayer is something that there have been great times of prayer in my life, and then there have been times where it's struggled. And there's times I'm going, God, do you hear me? God, do you care? And all the time, they'll always know that God's there, and he listens, and he does care. But it's an area where I've grown in, and, and here's what I've seen, and maybe this will help you today, but there's seven steps, kind of seven stages of prayer in your life that i kind of love for you to go back to. The first of all is this. If we're to grow and to reach our full potential in prayer, 
The first is to learn to make prayer a priority. See, when you become a Christ follower, and maybe today the very first prayer you need to pray is, God, forgive me, redeem me, restore me. But that starts the journey. And then you learn to make prayer a priority. And wherever you are today in your relationship with God, man, start there. Jesus, it says, you know, he went to a certain place to pray. It tells us in Mark 135 that very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up and went to a solitary place where he prayed. And in your life and in my life, we learn to make prayer a priority. I'm going to carve out five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, and it's going to be me and the Lord. And I'm going to spend time in prayer. I want to pray. And I'm going to set that time aside. You know, if your boss said, hey, I need to, I need to see you. We're, we're going to meet uh, every morning at 730. You would, you would say, okay, I'll be there. And you would show up, right? I mean, you would be dressed. You'd be ready to go. You'd be prepared. You'd be ready. But a lot of times with God, we're kind of like, yeah, whatever. You know, God will forgive me. God will redeem me. It's okay. But if we start to think, no, I get to meet with the God of the universe. This is the God who holds everything in his hands. And he's inviting me. And I'm going to schedule it. I'm going to schedule, we schedule things that are important in our lives, right? Lisa and I, we schedule date nights because our lives get crazy and we have to schedule that. We have to, but we schedule, schedule it. Say, God, every morning I'm going to meet with you, 630. It's just me and you. And it may be five minutes, 10, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, but, but I'm going to meet you and I'm going to be there. I'm going to be ready. Now, if you miss a day, there's amazing grace, okay? It's okay. Don't let Satan like wear you down on that. But you start to carve out this time where you make prayer a priority. And that's kind of that first step, that first step of growing in your prayer life. The second step then in growing your prayer life is you learn to pray your own prayers. You learn to pray your own prayers. When we were young, it was okay to pray, you know, rub-a-dub-dub, pass the grub kind of thing. You know, it's like you were a little kid, that's what you did. That's like, yeah, okay, all right. But as you grow and you mature, you start to go, no, I want to pray my own prayer. And maybe there were prayers that, you know, you've kind of grown up, ritual prayers. It's fantastic. I mean, it's, it's getting you in the habit or the discipline of praying. But soon you start to go, God, here's my heart. I want to share what's going on to me. I want to pray my own prayers. And maybe there were prayers that you learned in confirmation class or wherever in different parts of your life. But, but soon you go, I want to pray this prayer. God, I want to pray for my family. I want to pray for my friends. I want to pray for your church. I want to pray for my work. I want to, and you pour out your heart to God. And maybe, God, I'm not great at this. It's okay. But God, here's my heart. One thing that helps me is I, I take my Bible when I pray. And, and I'll be reading through my Bible. And I'll go, I'm going to pray this. God, I want that peace that passes understanding. God, I want that in my life. I need that. I don't want to be anxious, God, about something. So God, help me when I get worried or stressed about something. God, and you start to pray your own prayers. And then there's the next step that you kind of go to, you grow to. And it's this. You learn to listen. You learn to listen. See, prayer is more than words, right? And, and anytime you're in a relationship, if you're the only one who does all the talking, that relationship's not going to be very healthy, okay? I'll just tell you, just give you a heads up in your marriage, that's not going to work real well. So at some point, God, we realize God gave us two ears and one mouth. And, and in our prayer life, we go, I need to listen. And in our fast-paced society, we don't like to take the time for silence. We don't like to take the time for meditation. But these are things that we begin to hear from God. Sometimes people go, well, I don't, I don't know if God speaks to me. And you're like, well, I think God speaks. I think the bigger question is, are we listening? And when we stop in our prayer life and just go, okay, no agenda, God. I want to hear from you. 
And I'm going to be still, and I'm going to know that you're God, I'm not, and whatever you want to say to me. And just take five minutes and listen. And then you begin to pray what God says to you. And God may lay somebody on your heart, and you start to pray for them, and you're like, man, I haven't thought about them in years. And you hit them up on Facebook, and they're going through a tough time, and you're like, wow, that, that's the Holy Spirit. God's moving. Or you may pray about something that's coming up later on in the day, but God will begin to speak to you. And you're like, man, I'm not at that level yet. That's okay, that's okay. But for us to grow at this level, when we get to the point where we can listen and we can hear from God. Here's number four. Number four is we learn to pray aloud. Okay, we learn to listen, but then we get to the point where we learn to pray aloud. A couple years ago, a guy in our church, he came to me and he said, he said, Jeff, would you, would you help me with something? And I said, yeah, yeah, what's going on? And he goes, you know, I've been a Christian all my life. And he said, and I've been married for 15 years. He said, but my wife and I, we've never prayed together. He said, I'm, honestly, I'm just scared. He goes, even though I've been a Christian for a long time, I, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to pray with her. I, I don't think I'm any good at that. And I go, man, that's all right. It's okay. I said, but I want to encourage you, just, just try it. He's like, well, what do I do? And I, and I just said, wait, okay, at night. One night, just sit down on the bed and hold her hand and say, hey, I'm not good at this. She'll know that. That's fine. You know, and just say, but I want us to pray. And, and, and let me try it. Let me just, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for our kids. I just want to say a prayer. About a month later, he came back. He goes, oh, my. He said, it's been incredible. He said, we haven't done it every night. But he goes, the times that we've done that, he goes, there's, he goes, there's just like an intimacy that happens as we've, learn to pray together. And he goes, and I feel like I'm getting a little bit better. And I'm like, I know. There's something happens, right? A family that prays together stays together, right? You can see statistics that show that. And for us, learning to pray aloud. Now, all the introverts are like, oh, I hate that one, right? It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. You know? But, but for us, it doesn't matter how good you are. You don't get a grade on this. It's just a matter of us learning to do that. And I want to tell you, there is power in a praying mom Wow, there's a power to praying dad. When you say aloud and you pray over your kids and your kids hear that, unbelievable. And you got that potential to speak words of hope, to speak words of blessing, to speak words of life into your family or with your friends, your roommates, when you begin to pray aloud. And I know, man, it's a part of growing and it's a part of maturing, but, but there's a part that I would just encourage us, hey, maybe try that. And then the next one, you learn to pray for others and with others. All right, so as you learn to pray aloud, then you learn to listen to the Holy Spirit. And when God prompts you, you step in and begin to pray for others. And, and this is, about, I mean, you know, guys, this is a part of spiritual maturity. And so maybe you're not there. That's okay. But, but for us to get to that point when somebody at work and they're going through a tough time and you see it and you say, hey, can I pray for you? That's a big step. And many times they're like, yes, please pray for me. And a lot of times we'll walk off. We'll go, okay, you know, I'm going to pray for them. And we do. But what if we get to the point where they go, hey, you know, can I pray for you? And they say, yes. And you go, okay, let's pray. And they're like, Okay. And you just pray, God, I want you to be with them. God, I want you to take care of them. Uh, this past summer, we were on vacation, and we were swimming at this pool, and we were out of state. And, and, uh, and this lady in this 
kind of bumped into one of my daughters, and she looked up. She's like, hey, how are you? And, and, and my daughter, Mabry, goes, hi. And she said, well, where are you from? And Mabry goes, we're from Nashville. And the lady goes, no way. We're getting ready to move to Nashville. And I was thinking, yeah, you and everybody else, right? You know, it's like, <laughs> I mean, the whole country's coming to Nashville. I mean, so, you know, but here's Janice. And so Mabry's like, you'll love it. She was telling her this. And we were off, you know, in the other pool swimming or whatever. And so the next day, we're down in the hotel lobby. And this lady comes walking by, and she recognized my daughters. And she's like, hey. And my girls are like, hey, come meet my parents. And so she came over, and we're like, we're well, moving to Nashville, we heard. She's like, yeah. And she goes, and honestly, I'm really scared. And I said, really? And she goes, yeah. She goes, my husband's retiring. All my grown kids live here in this state. And we're packing up, and we're moving. And, and we've got family there but it's a big step. And, and I said, I'm sorry. And she goes, yeah. And she goes, my friends are here. We're on a little staycation. We're having two days at this hotel as I say goodbye to them. And her friends are over there waving, you know, and, and they're like, we're going to miss her. And, and I said, well, can we pray for you? And she just kind of looked at me and, I, and she goes, yes. And so her friends came over. We made this big huddle in the middle of the hotel lobby <laughs> there. And all these people were walking around and we said this prayer. And this lady, after we prayed, she's crying. We're all crying, you know, and my girls are hugging her. And, and I just thought, you know, sometimes the Holy Spirit prompts you, not all the time, not all the time. You know, you're not one of those people like, hey, can I pray for you? You're like praying around everybody. But I'm saying that sometimes the Holy Spirit's going to prompt you. And it may be at Thanksgiving, and it may be like your nephew, and they're going through a tough time, or it may be somebody in your extended family. But when the Holy Spirit does, we, we kind of get to that point where we're like, okay, you know what? I'm, I'm not worried about embarrassment anymore. I'm kind of past that. I'm kind of into this point now where I want to speak truth and hope and grace. And I know what you need is the Lord. And I want to point you to him. Number six, man, this is getting really deep right here. Okay, number six, learn to pray for what God wants. Learn to pray for what God wants. Guys, this, this is a game changer right here. So often we come to God and we've got our list. This is what I want, I want, I want. But when we get to that point to go, you know what? I'm throwing away the list. God, what do you want? And that scares me to death. But God, I like being in control. But God, I'm gonna trust you. Remember Jesus when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane? And Jesus knew what lay ahead. Jesus had walked by and seen people crucified. He knew 39 lashes carrying the cross up the hill. He knew the nails in the hands and the nails in the feet and how he would hang on his cross and suffocate. And Jesus prays, Father, let this cup pass from me. God, is there any other way? Please, 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 any other way. And then he comes to the point where he prays, God, not my will, but your will be done. Not my will, but God, yours. And when we get to the point in our Christian walk to say, God, this is how I think it ought to go, but, but God, complete surrender, God, your will. Your will to bring healing, your, your will to take them home. Your will, God, in every area of my life, whether I get the job or I don't, whether it works out or it doesn't, God, your will. And then the last one, number seven, is this, that we learn to pray continually. We learn to pray continually. That prayer moves from just being, hey, I'm gonna do this for five minutes, that prayer becomes a part of our life, our ongoing conversation. First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, rejoice always, pray 
continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. What's God's will for you? Rejoice always. <laughs> Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. And when you and I begin to do that, it changes everything. Our hope and our prayer is this, is that, that let's become a people of prayer and a church of prayer. Oswald Chambers says prayer is not preparation for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. And that we become people who pray. We become a church that prays together. One of my favorite people in history is a guy named George Mueller. And George Mueller grew up in Germany and his dad was wealthy. But his mom died when he was 14 years old. And his life kind of spun a little bit out of control at that time. Because his dad traveled and was gone all the time. And, and at 15, he started drinking and hanging out with the wrong crowd. And, and then at 18, he was sent off to a prestigious boarding school. And, and yet, you know, he was really smart. And he could make good grades. But, but his mind wasn't in it. It was just about partying and living it up and going out with his friends. And when he was 20, a bunch of guys said, hey, let's skip out and go to Switzerland. So they skipped out of school for 10 days and went to Switzerland. And he said, I did all kinds of things there. Everything the world would offer. He said, I got back from spending 10 days in Switzerland and I just thought, man, it's empty. There's gotta be more to life than this. I've got money and I've got all this stuff that I've done, but it's just a waste. And he said, I sat there at this boarding school and just wondering what life was about and a friend of mine invited me to a Christian meeting. He said, I didn't wanna go, but I went because my friend was there and I walked in and there were people on their knees praying. And I said, I want that. That's what it is. There was something different about the way they prayed and I just saw that and I wanted that in my life. And at the age of 20, he gave his life to Christ and said, I wanna follow you with all of my life. He went on and finished that school and then he went to seminary and after seminary he became a pastor and he moved to Bristol, England. And him and his wife were pastoring there and, and they began to notice all these street children in the mid 1800s that were all around England and, and they had child labor back in those days and, and all these kids and he, he found out there were 3,600 orphan kids that were being taken care of but there were over 8,000 kids in prison under the age of eight and God broke his heart and he got down on his knees with his wife and said God use us God use us and they started to pray they started to pray he never asked anybody for money and yet over the next 60 years <laughs> Over the next 60 years, he opened up homes for orphaned children. And in 60 years, he had enough homes that he was taking care of for 10,000 orphaned children in England. He started 117 schools that were reaching 102,000 kids and giving them a hope and a future in education and getting them past working in the mines and giving them jobs and Never asking for money, there was over $7.2 million that was given to the work. Now, $7.2 million is a lot of money today, but imagine back in the 1800s, $7.2 million. And George Mueller, you can Google him, he just talked about, all I did was pray. I'm just gonna pray. I'm gonna pray because prayer is the greater work. So what are you praying for? What are you praying for in your family? What are you praying for in your career? What are you praying for in your life? There is the potential of prayer to change the world. And it starts with us praying. You know, Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he, he brought those same disciples together, these disciples that he taught to pray. 
And he brought them together in the upper room and he, he took bread and after he'd given thanks, right, he prayed. He said, God, let's pray, let's pray. And after he'd given thanks, he prayed and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. My body broken for you. I'm gonna pay the price for you. And after supper, he took the cup. He said, this is my blood poured out for you. Take and drink in remembrance of me. For when you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so this morning around the room, there are communion stations that are set up. There's two tables up front, two tables in the middle, two tables in the back. I'm gonna invite some of our A6 men and and their wives, some of our spiritual leaders here at church to to be around the tables. Over here is a gluten-free table. But I wanna invite you to come. I wanna invite you to come in a spirit of prayer. It, It doesn't matter where you are right now on the journey, but would you start? Maybe would you make prayer a priority in your life? Would you just say, God, teach me to pray. God, I'm gonna grow in my prayer life. And let's become people of prayer. But during this time, let's make this a time of worship as we meet with the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your presence this morning. Oh God, thank you that you are here in this moment and you have come to teach us to pray, to invite us to pray. Father, meet us right where we are. And maybe today is a day of salvation where somebody prays, God, forgive my sins, redeem me, restore me. God, I want a relationship with you like you did for George Mueller at the age of 20 and transformed his life. Or maybe there's people here, we, God, we've been walking with you for a long time, but our prayer life has grown stale. And God, that you would revive it. And God, that you would bring prayer in our marriages and in our homes and with our, our friends. And God, that it would become a part of who we are, this ongoing relationship with you. So Lord, we come to meet you at your table. And we come to reorder our lives around your plans and around your purposes. Lord, teach us to pray. In the name of Jesus, we come. Amen. Amen. You're invited to come to his table.